in case. Uh, show of hands. How many of you have watched the 2006 movie entitled The Nativity Story? Okay, there are a few out there. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you do, uh, especially when we get up to Advent. You see, this tells Mary's story from the time when she's a teenager before the Annunciation up through the, the birth of Jesus. So let me set the scene. The Roman tax is coming due for collection, and Mary's family is trying to raise the, the money they need to give the Romans. So her mother sends her with some homemade cheese to the house of a wealthy woman in the neighborhood, hoping she'll buy it. So when Mary walks into this house, she sees this woman sitting on the floor with a whole group of children in front of her, and she finds her telling the children the story out of the first book of Kings where God tells Elijah, go to the top of the mountain and wait for me to pass by. So the woman was reciting the story from memory, saying, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. And all the children replied, but the Lord was not in the wind. And the woman continues the story saying, and after the wind, an earthquake. And the children again reply saying, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And there's this beautiful back and forth between the woman and the children until the whole story is told. You see, back then, people, they knew the scriptures so well, it became part of their cultural DNA. They didn't have the distractions that we have today with like YouTube and streaming media and things like that. It became part of who they were. So you're probably asking yourself, why is this important? Last week in the gospel, we heard the story of Jesus taking three of his disciples up the mountain for the transfiguration. And there, you know, we hear about Moses and Elijah and a cloud overshadowing them and a voice coming out of the cloud saying, you know, this is my beloved son, Jesus. The reason why it's important is to us, it seems like a nice story, maybe a little bit strange because we don't really experience that in our own lives. But to the people of the time who knew the scripture, it would have brought back the story of Moses when he climbed the mountain and he was before the Lord and he received the law and he heard a voice coming out of the cloud. But that story goes even further because it revealed Jesus as Messiah. Now, today's gospel would have had a very similar effect on the people because in it we heard the story of Jesus making a, a whip out of cords and going in and driving out the animals and the money changers from the temple and overturning their tables. And to us, it sounds like a story of Jesus being kind of uncharacteristically not nice. But to them, with their understanding of scripture, it reminded them of Psalm 69, where it says, zeal for God's house shall consume me. And that was a sign that they would have recognized as someone being the Messiah. So in effect, his actions that day would have revealed who he was. Now, I once read the story of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. How many of you have read that? Yep. Good story. It has a very strong Christological tone to it. And in it is a conversation between Susan and Mr. Beaver. And it goes something like this. Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? 
I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he wasn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. In today's gospel, Jesus isn't that nice persona that modern society often makes him out to be, but he is good. And so the gospel prompts us to ask ourselves, what drove him to do what he did that day? And I would posit that it's because of his unbridled love for every person. See, in those days, millions of people would visit Jerusalem every year for the Feast of the Passover. So if you were over a certain age, you're expected to go at least once in your life. And if you live within 15 miles of Jerusalem, you're expected to go every year. Now, often when you went for the feast, you'd bring an animal to sacrifice. So picture trying to bring an animal, an unblemished animal, 15 miles or more to Jerusalem. So as a convenience, animals were sold uh, supposedly near the temple, but in this case, in the temple. And if you bought an animal there, you had to use special coins. Only certain coins were allowed in the temple. You couldn't use the general coinage and population. So money changers were there, and they, they would charge a fee for it. And in this case, um, since they kind of had a closed market, the animals were really expensive, and the exchanging of coins, they charged an excessive fee, kind of like first century money gouging. And as bad as that is, um, there was something even worse going on. You see, in Mark's gospel, he tells us about the same story, about my house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples, kind of like Catholic, right, universal? So the selling of the animals and the exchange of the money, as bad as it was, something worse is going on. They were doing it in what's called the court of the Gentiles. And that's where all people who weren't Jewish were called to come into God's presence, into his house of prayer. And them doing their sales there really made him angry because it was keeping people away from his father. Now, I like the phrase righteous indignation. And Jesus was filled with that righteous indignation that day because many of the people that he loved, who he'd come to save and heal, couldn't come and be where he and his father wanted them to be. And that was in God's presence in his temple. So what does this all have to do with us today? I think there's two things. One is we really need to set aside time in our own lives, I mean quality time, to spend with scripture to where it can become part of our DNA, you know, part of who we are. Today there's a lot of voices trying to get our attention out there, but by reading scripture, we can learn to hear God's voice and recognize him. And second, we need to look at our own temple, you know, the temple of our hearts, to see what needs to be driven out and overturned there as well, so that we can get closer to God. And so we have the ability to reach out to others, invite them to come into God's house as well. You know, God's house, the church. So how do we do this, you know, now, especially during Lent? I think first, We'll kind of follow Father Walsh's suggestion from a few weeks ago. Let's take some time every day to read through the Gospel of Mark slowly. Just digest it. Let it become part of who we are. And second, let's take the opportunity to avail ourselves of the rec uh, sacrament of reconciliation. You know, today's first reading we have the Ten Commandments, and those provide a nice framework for reflecting upon our own lives. You know, as we hear Scripture and as we reflect on our lives, 
God will bring to mind those things that we have to drive out, that we have to overturn. And he's calling us to come to him in the sacrament of reconciliation so that he can help us. So in today's gospel, Jesus drove out and overturned what kept the people of his time from coming to the Father. This Lent, let each of us reflect on scripture so that we may be able to see and drive out and overturn whatever is in our own lives that are keeping us and others from our Father. Amen.